Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Let's get this week rolling here on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, to kick a full week off for you. Thank you for tuning in to Birds 365. And J-Mac, we get to start with some actual news. Eagles, once again, thank you very much for doing something on a Friday so that uh, Mac and Mac don't get a chance to talk about it for three days. But that's okay, because it's not changing. Quisky Tart is not leaving the Philadelphia Eagles, or at least not anytime soon. Uh, yes, the Eagles filled in one of the holes they had during this offseason, an extra veteran leadership guy in the defensive backfield, specifically at safety, uh, picking off the former starting safety for the San Francisco 49ers. That's been a pretty good defense to be starting on the last last seven years. Uh, Jaquiski Tart signs with the Birds on Friday. No details yet on the deal. When you first got news, what was your first thought, John McMullen? Um, my first thought was uh, good deal, good signing. Uh, I, I think it's going to be near the veteran minimum, or you know, somewhere. I mean, you got to be realistic as well and notice the calendar. There's a reason, you know. We talk about James Bradbury, and interestingly, they were college teammates. Uh, back in the day at Sanford. So Sanford had a heck of a defensive backfield at one point. Both second-round picks, uh, both have developed into good NFL players. Bradbury, I still think, is, you know, at close to his apex or certainly in it's still in the conversation to being the same player. Uh, I'm not sure that's the same thing with Tart, but it's a significant need. Um it's a good insurance policy. And I think if you look at it over the past couple of years, the Eagles have kind of done this. Sometimes it worked out with Corey Graham during the Super Bowl uh, sort of run. 
Uh, even Andrew Sandejo and people rolled their eyes, but I think it was nine games. It worked out. They got exactly what they wanted, but they were in the compensatory pick mode there. They didn't want to give up a compensatory pick. They wanted to get one back because they knew they weren't going to sign free agents. And that interestingly led them to Marcus Epps because they released Andrew Sandejo. Minnesota picked him back up. The Vikings had to waive Marcus Epps and the Eagles picked him up. So it acted as a trade. Eagles got a much younger player. Now you pass forward a couple years, they expect him to start, or we'll see with with Tart. What other guys, Jonathan Cyprian, uh, people remember they picked him up uh, in a trade. He was pretty big name at the time, didn't work out. Um, Andrew Adams last year, they brought him in from Tampa. Um, probably should have kept him, I would say, and he went right back to Tampa played a lot of football for them. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I like the insurance policy part of it, Jody. Look, I still think it doesn't change. They want Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps to start. They want the light to come on for Kayvon Wallace. But if it doesn't, you have a guy who started a lot of NFL football, and he'll be competent. And I think it's a nice insurance policy. Right. And starting is one thing in the NFL. Starting for a very good defense is another. And yeah. the 49ers have been a damn good defense these last several years, including a trip to the Super Bowl where he was uh, starting safety for them. Uh, unfortunately for the Tart fan club uh, who wanted to see him stay in San Francisco, and I don't know if we have one person who would fall into that category you happen to be watching right now, um, his days as a Niner were probably numbered when he dropped a very catchable interception in the championship game last year against the Rams. And don't kid yourself. These things happen that a player makes one really bad play that they know is going to resonate going forward. And if you're not a above average player, certainly not a star player, if you've got some skills, but you've also got some downsides, Oh, the team will say, we need to go in a different direction here. And it's just one play, but it was a really big play. So it probably causes more pain in San Francisco than <laughs> anywhere else on the planet. We don't have to worry about it. He didn't cost the Eagles a chance to go to the Super Bowl. He cost the 49ers a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So that's why I think a guy like, because uh, my first question is, well, why wouldn't the 49ers want to keep him? Why didn't the 49ers go? Well, because he dropped a very catchable interception in the NFC Championship game. I really do believe that. Do you think I'm overstating one play, or do you think there's something to it, J-Mac? Well, I I think on top of everything else, uh, yeah, I mean, it can have an effect. A big play, a, a disastrous play can have an effect. More on the psyche. I, I, I don't think as a whole you sort of look at it from a personnel standpoint and said, all right, the guy should have made a play. He didn't make a play. We got to move on. But I do think they looked at him as a sort of descending player. He's now 30. We know what that number means in this league. Um, they wanted to get better at the position. Um, you know, Pro Football Focus, who we use all the time, graded him 72 of 92, so down towards the bottom of the safeties. It's interesting because, you know, I don't watch a lot of San Francisco 49ers football uh, because, um, you know, when they get kind of the playoffs, busy with the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When they got in the playoffs, I saw it, but um, 
you know, I just looked at what he did and, and sort of the grades and the film work that people do. And I look at his size and say, all right, he's a box safety. He's good in run support. He's boring coverage. Turns out, then I started texting some scouts around the league and said, no, he's not. He's not a box safety. In fact, and this is where it makes sense, Jody. Um, now, he, he was in San Francisco, and I've been telling people all offseason, the Eagles are trying to run Vic Bangio's defense more, more, more to, to nail it down a little bit. Brandon Staley's version of, 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 of big, uh, big Bangio's defense, but that's where it all emanates from. And big Bangio was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco before he went to Chicago. Now he left the year before Tart got there, but, they kept running the scheme. They kept running the scheme in San Francisco, understandably so. Um, and that's what he's been brought in to do. And he's, you know, basically what what the whole thought press process behind the system is, show the same look pre-snap and then quickly spin out to your coverage Um Usually it's cover in, in the case of Fangio, usually it's cover two on one side, cover four on the other side. So cover six. And um, he can do that. He understands it. He understands the defense. I should say he understands his responsibilities. Can he do it from a physical standpoint any longer? I don't know. That's, that's the question. It wasn't successful, all that successful. But then again, as you mentioned, Jody, Look, everybody can't be a superstar. He was a starter. He was a long-term starter on a very good defense for a very long time. Uh, they, they've had a lot of success defensively. And there's something to say for that. There really is. He's more proven. I can't say he's probably in the same realm as Anthony Harris, who's a former Pro Bowl player who started on a lot of good defenses, a lot of top five defenses but is descending as a player is not the same player, probably in the same category as, as Anthony Harris. He knows how to play, but can he play at that level? I don't know. I don't know. Again, why is he no longer on San Francisco exactly. then? Um, I don't know. And you, know, you and I both watch what San Francisco 49er football, we can see not always available or much more inclined to be staying on top of the Eagles than the 49ers, but they have had playoff runs where you did get the zero in on their guys. Can you give me any kind of scouting report on Talanoa Hufanga, who was their fifth round draft pick last year, whoever that's of now is penciled in as their uh, starting strong safety this year? I got to tell you, I know nothing about this guy other than he was drafted last year. And it seems to be that's where they're going to go with their starting safety. I get it. Youth has got upside, which certainly Mr. Tart doesn't have at this stage of his career. But um, being replaced by a guy who was a fifth round pick uh, who couldn't get on the field, couldn't be tart out last year, is going to be tart out this year. What was the difference? I, again... Lean back my guess, on. My, my he guess dropped is, the football in the game against the Rams that cost him a chance to go to the Super Bowl. That's why he's now in Philadelphia, not in San Francisco. My my guess is is um, athleticism, ability to run, 
you know, it's it's probably a lot of why the Eagles have penciled in Marcus Epps here. Um, you know, and that's part of personnel. That's arguably the most important part of personnel. Um, not just defaulting to what a guy has done, because if you do that, you know, the sure. old adage in sports, not just football, is, um, you know, it's better to give up on a player a year early than a year late because, you know, everybody is going to hit that wall. It's just the nature of the game. Um, we always give the caveat to Tom Brady, who seems to beat it, but for everybody else, they hit that wall, certainly in, in positions where athleticism is needed, certainly that safety in the NFL. Um, my assumption is they like the kid, they like his upside, they like his ceiling, and they're making that, you know, sort of personnel evaluation even if it's a little bit early, um, you know, I always go back to Jim Swartz as well. Startup cost time. Got to get the startup cost over, man. If, you know, if that's your guy, get him over with. All right. You know, get those startup costs. And hopefully by the second half of the season, you got a better player. Uh, if you just keep waiting and waiting and waiting, then you, you know, the sends don't usually stop and go the other way, Jody. They don't usually just stop and say, oh, he's going back up. Um, so, unfortunately, but for the Eagles, you know, I think the most important part of this, Jody, is, is the sentiment behind the signing, believe it or not, because I don't know if it's going to work. As I said, if, if you wanted me to put odds on this, I would say it's better than 50-50. He's going to be starting September 11th in Detroit. But I would tell you, there's also, you know, if you want real value and you can get prop bets on things like that, we always talk about value. There's probably a 20% chance he's not even on this team because uh, they're not going to give him significant money. We'll see what the contract is. I'd be shocked if it's anything more than the veterans minimum. This is a, a situation where you can have a true competition and say, all right, who deserves to be out there? And if he doesn't show anything, he could be Jonathan Cyprian and be out of here. Um, but the sentiment of the signing indicates we're ready to compete and we need an insurance policy. And this is our most obvious need safety on paper. Let's go out. Let's get a veteran with 64 starts. He's played in a lot of playoff games. He's played in the Super Bowl. This is an indication to me. The Eagles say we can compete. And I think that's a good thing. Right, and we don't know how far that competition's going to go. Does include a guy like Kayvon Wallace. If he comes in and just kills in preseason, I would not be surprised if the Eagles pencil him into the starting lineup. I do agree with you. I think it's an open competition for four or five guys in the safety position. No one is locked into a guaranteed starter spot, which for me is always a good thing. If you don't have a star player, well, why don't you get a couple of really good players? Let them compete. Let the best man win. Um, Tart, one drawback is that in seven years in the league, he's been hurt almost every single year. So most years, spending time on the injured list. But if you want to look at it through eagle-colored glasses, hey, if you're not asking him to start, if he's not a guaranteed going to play every snap kind of guy, Less chance to get hurt. We know we know the Eagles buy into that philosophy because they don't really <laughs> practice during the offseason to make sure nobody gets hurt. 
So therefore, you got uh, Jonathan uh, Jaquiski Tart, who should be healthy for the Eagles this season. All right, uh, we take our first time out of the day. We've got our buddy Jeff Kerr to hop aboard uh, today, John. I didn't. I meant to mention this at the top of the show. Uh, for those of you who are streaming in today, you are part of a historic broadcast. Oh it yeah, Birds Three Sixty Five's Three Hundred Show. Johnny Mac and I, and I've missed a couple shows. Johnny Mac misses shows when he's got to get over to go to camp, uh, but he has been part of almost every single one of the 300 broadcasts. Uh, we've been doing this for over a year now, so we've reached our 300 show marker. And Jeff Kerr has probably been our number one uh, contributor besides John and myself. So we thought it'd be good to get uh, JK up here today. Jeff Kerr of uh, CBS Sports and our uh, top fill in guy here on Birds 365. Joins us next here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe. We subscribe to bringing in Jeff Kerr whenever we get the possibility. Eve of CBSSports.com, who when he was on with us uh, most recently, said, had a Vegas trip coming up. We know what happens in Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas, but you got to give us a little something, something here. JK, how was your trip to Vegas? Can I tell you guys how I bowled, or do you want to go to the late night stories? Uh, well, I don't know about Jody, but I want the late night stories. I know what you bowled. It's a solid 247, I'm going to guess. <laughs> I wish. If I bowled a 247, <laughs> I might be quitting birds 365 and trying something else, but... I bowled, I bowled all right for my first time out there. You know, fourteen eighty for nine games isn't bad. It's not great. Now, what's your your high game? My uh, high Jeff? game? I bowled a three hundred. There we go. That's why. See what what you know? Two forty seven is not out of the realm. Maybe well, not Nick the arrow level. <laughs> it's hard yeah. out there. It's I'm bowling on the pro shot out there. You know, I'm not bowling. What, what is the difference? Out. For us non-bowlers, what is the difference that uh, you you said you bowled on the pro shot? What is the difference? Okay, so if you watch like a PBA Tour match, you're always seeing how hard it is for even those guys to get a strike. So there's a lot – how can I put it as easily as I can? There's a lot less leeway. So say you – us three would go bowling at our local bowling alley. Um, Right. You can miss your mark by uh, – we measure by boards. There's 30 boards on the lane. You can miss your mark by about eight or nine and get a strike. There, you can't miss by one or two, or else mm. your 10 is going to be a five. So it, it gets pretty difficult, and that's what happened to me my first day on Wednesday. I missed my mark by about a board or two, and I'm getting spares I can't make. The, the key out there is getting spares you can make and capitalizing on them, and that's what I was able to do the last day of the tournament. Right. John, did you have any idea that bowling was this complex? No, I didn't. I thought you just I, threw it. I thought you just threw it down the lane and tried to get it between yeah. the one and three pin and yeah. take your chance. I'm just, I, I'm just I had proud. no idea. I'm just proud the day that I could have him take the bumpers down and say, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> All you got to do is stay, uh, I, I'll get you to be a 150 bowler easily, McMullen. I, I'll tell no, you. I'm, 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 I'm actually I'm actually half decent. I can get to one. I, I haven't bowled in a long time, but I could get to 150. Probably not much higher, but I have good hand-eye coordination. At least I did when I could mm. see. I, you know what? It's a lifetime sport. If you have good hand-eye coordination in your 20s, you still have good hand-eye coordination in your... There you go. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I bowled when I was a teenager, and it's been a long time since, but uh, I had fun when I did it. Glad to hear you're still having fun. All right, so you went out to Vegas, had some fun, and then came back and found out Jaquiski Tart, signed by the Philadelphia Eagles... Wait, 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 Jody, before we get to... uh, Oh, you uh, want to go to late night? You think he's going to give us late night details? I want Spearmint Rhino details, Jeff Kerr. Did did you make it to... (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. So I was on the strip every day. And we're walking up the stairs at Caesars. And I had to make sure to bust on my one buddy who might be listening right now. I won't give him his name. But we saw um, some... um, Stuff you normally don't see in the outside world there. And, oh, yeah. And me and my this... buddy saw it. We looked and smiled, and he was looking down, and it wasn't at his phone, and he missed the entire thing. It was right in front of us. And oh, we, we've been busting on about it all week. So, 
Same all you got to do, you do is do when you're gonna yeah. make. You got to have the phone ready to take a picture at all yeah. times. You basically have to keep your phone in front of your face because you never know what you're going to see. And you want to snap a picture of if it happens in front of you. Uh, well, exactly. And, you know, that's what we're, you know, we're thinking of ourselves. We're like, oh, he must have been looking at us. No, he didn't have his phone out. So we're like, <laughs> what's he doing? Like, it's yeah. Vegas. I'm like, I told him you got to be more observant. You got to walk with your head up. Got to be very observant. Just go to the MGM lobby. You'll have fun just walking through. The oh, way. yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I was a little intoxicated when I was at the MGM lobby. Okay, uh, there's some, uh, there's some slushies can get to you after a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just let me make one suggestion. Don't drink and bowl, okay? If you're going to – you don't want to combine those two things, you can end up, and seriously end up hurting yourself and the possibility of hurting Oh, I don't drink when I bowl. That, that that was the best part. It's, okay. I, I can't do that. I, I know people that are good at doing that. I, I can't do it. I, just, I have to be laser-focused at all times. All right, just making sure you're not drinking and bowling. All right, back to Jaquiski Tart. You weren't drinking. It really did happen. The Eagles went out and got themselves a veteran center – not a Pro Bowl level center, but a starting center uh, for years in San Francisco. The 49ers decided not to re-sign him. We're speculating that the Eagles have gotten him for somewhere near the veteran minimum because where we are on the calendar and the fact that he has a chance to sign with everybody for months now and didn't, uh, and the Eagles got it done over the weekend. What was your first impression when you heard Jaquiski Tart added to the safety room of the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the first thing I thought was, I'd love to see him and Marcus Epps on the field together, which I think now is very possible. But you have to wonder if they're going to rotate him, if they're going to rotate Epps, if they're going to rotate Anthony Harris. Is it going to be a three-man rotation there? Is John Pagan going to mix and match stuff? But I was a little concerned about the depth of the safety position. I'm not concerned about that anymore now that Jaquiski Tart's there. I, I, I like the signing. I like that he can provide some competition for both Epps and Harris, probably more Epps than Harris at this point. But I I hope on come week one, it's Shaquiski Tart and Marcus Epps. Uh, no disrespect to Anthony Harris, but I kind of want to see what those two can do on the field together. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's how I kind of described it, Jeff. I, I'd like the sentiment behind the signing. It's a nice insurance policy. I still think the Eagles would like uh, – Marcus Epps to take the baton and start. I think they want Kayvon Wallace. I think they want the life to go off for Kayvon Wallace. But if it doesn't, uh, in either case, um, you have that insurance policy of, of Joukowsky Tart. Um, and they've done this before with Corey Graham, uh, Andrew Sandejo, Jonathan Cyprian. Last year was Andrew Adams. A lot of times it doesn't work. I was saying September 11th in Detroit, I think there's better. This is how I described it to Jody, and I want to get your thoughts, Jeff. Better than a 50% chance right now that Tart's going to be a starter September 11th in Detroit. But I also think there's about a 20% chance he's not even on this team. I think this is going to be that kind of contract. If You know what? If the young guys take off, all right, thanks for the summer. Uh, Chikowski, uh nice knowing you. Jonathan Cyprian out the door. What do you think? I'll tell you what. I agree with that if Kayvon Wallace shows up to play. I think Kayvon right. Wallace is the guy that can go from that fringe roster player to 
dare I say, starter. I, I mean, if he can figure it out in year three, and I always thought there were unrealistic expectations for him to begin with as a fourth-round pick. Out of Clemson, you know, Eagles Yeah, well, the Dawkins, the assumption, you know, the next guy, next Brian Dawkins is, oh, he's from Clemson. Yeah, that's that's kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it was almost like the time when Macho Harris was drafted in the fifth round. And everybody thought, oh, that's a replacement with Brian Dawkins. He, he's going to be great. I'm like, no, Brian Dawkins only comes around probably once every 40 years for a franchise if they're lucky. So, but I mean, I don't think Kayvon Wallace has been bad his first two years. I just he just hasn't done anything to me where I say, okay, like he deserves to start or he deserves a lot of playing time. It, it's it's really awkward with him. He, he's playing like a fourth round pick. And I know he's very um, social media friendly, which I think is good. I, I don't think he lets a lot of stuff get under his skin. I just think he likes to put his head down and go to work. I hope it turns out well for him because I, I think he's a good guy. I, I want to see him at least contribute to his defense. I mean, he's still got, in my opinion, this year to prove himself. I don't think he's a roster bubble candidate or anything like that. But yeah, everybody says – uh, Jaquiski Tart is going to push Marcus S for a starting job. I think Kayvon Walls can push Jaquiski Tart for a job. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, we like to speculate here during the offseason on what Jonathan Gannon's defense is going to look like. Uh, best case scenario, what would he like to put in place? And a lot of times we default back to, well, but he needs specific type of players. If he can implement the exact system he wants to run, here's what he needs out of his players, which you can say about all 32 teams in the National Football League, and we certainly say it about the Eagles and Gannon in his second year here. What does Tart bring to the table that if he's up to the speed that he has been with the 49ers last several years, John just made a great point, guys who seem to be descending very infrequently go the other way and get better. So we don't expect him to get better than what he was in San Francisco. But if he can hold his line, what does he bring to the table in Gannon's defense that will allow Gannon to do more of what he wants to do? I think you're going to get a solid starter that – how can I put this in the best words possible? He will make turnovers thanks to the quarterbacks that are playing. So Darius Slay and James Bradbury, I think – that sets him up. NFC Championship game notwithstanding, because he did drop the interception that probably was sent the 49ers to the Super Bowl at that point. But he's a guy that he can create turnovers, and he's going to get his opportunities because of the cornerback situation there and because how deep the Eagles are a cornerback. And let's face it, guys, they need a safety that can make some plays. And I think he can do that for them. But I also think Marcus Epps can do that as well. So it's going to be interesting. I think you're going to get a reliable starter – that can make a play in the box, that can kind of play hero a bit deep in coverage. But I, I just think they need a guy that can help them create some turnovers when the pass rush is on. And because Darius Slay and James Bradbury, you know, they'll, they'll have, they'll have their hands full. So I'm looking at it as. Do we freeze Jeff Kerr? Oh, is Jeff he frozen? Yeah. Jeff's He's a happy frozen. looking Hopefully. dude. Yeah. So I'm sure he was going to say something positive about the Eagles, which we'll always take. We'll try and reestablish with Jeff, Jeff uh, bring him back on as he shares his thoughts with uh, Jaquiski Tart with us. Eagles signing on Friday. Hopefully we do get Jeff back up because there's a couple of uh, national storylines that we want to be able to tap in with him. Jeff returned to us, got unfrozen. Um, got your take on Tart and Eagles defense and the like. J.K., I do want to ask you about 
the Baltimore Ravens and what they're dealing with right now with their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. You've been covering the league for a while. I have. John has. I don't remember a situation like this. And it's only been applicable with uh, new CBAs and contract changing and money going up for the last however many years. It's not like we can tie this to a quarterback situation from the 70s or 80s. But at least over the last 20 some odd years, a quarterback whose contract is up, he's already won an MVP. The team wants to resign him and knows what the going rate is for a quarterback of his accomplishment and his age. And the player is like shrugging it off that he doesn't have an agent, that he says they've had a couple of conversations, but he doesn't seem to be in any rush to get a quarterback done, uh, a contract done. It seems like every player in the NFL wants that long-term contract with the guaranteed money up front. Lamar's like, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. How weird is the relationship right now between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? I think it's an awkward situation. I wouldn't go by weird. And I think it's because Lamar is his own agent. And I think he's looking at it as, well, I could get 40 million right now, but if I have come out and have an MVP type season, I can get 50 million. I can get more than Josh Allen. I can get more than Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's what he's banking on. I think he's banking on himself, giving the most money he can. And if it's not from the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to be from somebody. And I think that's what he's like. I think he wants people to bid for him. I, I don't think he necessarily wants to leave Baltimore. I just think he wants people gushing over him. And, you know, I, I don't like putting words in Lamar Jackson's mouth because I think he ultimately will resign with the Baltimore Ravens. I think he's a, you know, he's a fantastic quarterback. But I just keep looking at it as, man, this guy really wants to get paid. And I, I don't blame him because I think he knows his shelf life is probably shorter than a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. And get the most money he can and call the day. Yeah, you're probably right. He's betting on himself, essentially. He's coming off his worst season statistically. So if he bounces back and becomes Lamar Jackson again in the MVP level, Lamar Jackson, yeah, then he's going to be in the conversation with the highest-ranking quarterbacks, perhaps become, you know how this works. It's about timing and circumstance. He becomes the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history Tell it's the next guy's turn. Um you know, on the other hand, you start thinking to yourself, how much how much money is enough money? You know, if you get paid forty million in one year, you should be able to live the rest of your life. So do you want that security? I think that's the debate. And everybody's a little bit different. Kirk Cousins, he bet on himself. He wins year after year after year. Um, other guys want that security, want the long term uh contract, all the guaranteed money. But I think you hit the nail on the head. He's betting on himself. And I always respect when a player bets on himself. Um, Now I got to talk about another quarterback, Chip. And that's uh, the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Or projected quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. We assume at some point Deshaun Watson will be quarterbacking the Cleveland Browns. Will it be in the 2022 season? Because things seem to be coming to a head and there's reports out there that the NFL is looking at a significant suspension, whatever significant means, could be 12 games, could be a full season. Where do you think the NFL is going with Deshaun Watson? And do you think the NFLPA reacts 
do you think Deshaun reacts? Do you think they fight a potential significant suspension? I actually think the NFL should take a page out of Major League Baseball's playbook when it comes to this. And when Major League Baseball had the Trevor Bauer situation, they basically told Trevor Bauer, go away. Go away. You're on the commissioner's exempt list. Or I, I forgot what uh, Manfred put him on. It's probably one of the good things Rob Manfred has actually done as a commissioner. Just say, hey, go away. Is that the one? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got one. Yeah, yeah, he's got one. So go away. We'll handle it. And again, it was a story like every week they put him on the commissioner's exempt list and everybody's making a mockery of it. I'm like, well, he's not playing. They're they're trying to get this thing resolved. And then they ultimately hand it down. I, I forget the actual length of the suspension, but I think it's going to equate to two years. Two years, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I would years. do with Deshaun Watson. I would tell him, hey, you know what? Go away. You're definitely not helping yourself. Uh, your organization ain't helping you. So we're going to take matters in our hands. And D. Smith, if you want to in the NFLPA, if you want to play hardball with this, you know what? No, you don't have a choice. Um, this guy is – there's definitely some skeletons in that closet. Um, whether it's you know, you're for or against Deshaun Watson, there's definitely something there. And I, I would just say until this situation is resolved, where it's 2023, 2024, you tell this guy to just go away because I don't like the stuff he's saying. I don't like the stuff his organization is saying. Oh, and by the way, now the Haslam's want to build a new stadium on the – Lake one in Cleveland, you know, so they're trying to distract from everything else. Uh, by the way, the, the company that has their naming rights also is in some legal issues as well. So it is not a good time to be a Cleveland Browns fan or be a member of that organization. All right. So you were out in Vegas for a couple of days. I need to find out if a, you ran into any Deshaun Watson's masseuses and number two, did you potentially see Baker Mayfield? Because people are now talking about, you know, that's the reason why they haven't traded Baker, because they could be looking at an entire year of a Deshaun Watson suspension, and they have got a better chance to make the playoffs with Baker Mayfield than they do with Jacoby Brissett. Is Baker actually going to stay in Cleveland, J.K.? I think Carolina gets him. I think they're they're just waiting for that right opportunity to strike. I just don't think they want to pay him that fifth-year um, rookie salary. I, I, I think – they're hoping Cleveland releases him. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think ultimately Carolina's going to say, Sam Darnold sucks. We can't go into the year with him. <laughs> it's, it, Matt Rule's coaching for his job right now. He, you can't tie his NFL future to Sam Darnold. He'll never coach again. So I, I, I think it got a trade for Baker Mayfield. And I'd love to see Baker Mayfield against the Cleveland Browns week one of the season because that's who Carolina plays. And I actually think an upset Baker Mayfield, a fired-up Baker Mayfield, maybe a good thing for his next team. I don't think he's as bad of quarterback as everybody makes him out to be. I, I don't think he's a top 10, top 15 quarterback by any stretch, but I think he could have a little bit of a renaissance with another franchise. I think that's what he wants. I'm with you on Baker Mayfield. I've been pretty consistent. I think he played through a pretty serious injury. He took his hits because he played poorly. I don't think people gave him credit for playing through it. Now, Part of it is his own personality kind of rubs people the wrong way. But I think as a, as a player, remember that Cleveland team is not exactly steeped in a winning tradition. He was able to get him back to the playoffs. He was able to win um, a playoff game for the first time in how long, uh, it, you know, I, it, I, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks in this league that aren't as talented as Baker Mayfield. I'm with you. He's not top 10. He's not top 15. Um, 
but he's better than Sam Darnold. Sometimes I wonder, he's better than Marcus Mariota. Um, sometimes I wonder what these teams think other than, all right, we're in a transition, rebuild, uh, transition, if you if you want to use Jeffrey Lurie's term. So I'll bring it back to the Eagles, Jeff. Um, that's what I love about the Jaquaski tart signing. To me, it indicates... Now, we already had the indications. A.J. Brown, um, James Bradbury tra trading target to trade up for Jordan Davis. To me, this puts the period on the Eagles' transition. They said, we're done with that. We turn the page. We can compete with anybody in the NFC. Is that how you see the Eagles' sentiment, the Eagles' mentality right now? Uh, absolutely. And I think a lot of that had to do with how their quarterback played last year. I think last year was the wait-and-see period, and – I know there are a lot of skeptics out there on Jalen Hurts, but they're not making these moves if they don't think this quarterback can up his game to the next level. And I think they they feel Jalen Hurts can do that. And they did something for him they have not done for a lot of quarterbacks in this town. Give him weapons early in his career and fire away, see what they can do. And if he can't do it, then I guess you have two first-round picks and you can go find somebody. But I think right now what the Eagles are thinking is, we got our guy. We got our quarterback. We're going to give him all the weapons he can. We got the best offensive line in football. We're going to give him a defense so he doesn't have to put up 30 every game to win, like a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers or a Josh Allen. And those teams do have good defenses. But the Eagles definitely – any leak they had in the in their window or in their – I always forget the saying, but they patched it up pretty quick. So – I like the depth of this Eagles team right now. I, I think there are some things they can fix if they want to, but I see the makings of an 11-12 win team this year. J.K., uh, you mentioned a couple of names that I want to ask you about. Uh, your home site, cbsports.com, did a fun story. Uh, it's almost a week ago now, I think, uh, about the four very good young quarterbacks in the AFC. And I'm referring to Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, all of them in relatively close age area. Mom's a little bit older, Herbert a little bit younger, but they're they're all very close. Um, all right in their prime and going to be competing against each other in the same conference. The article asked to rank those quarterbacks. If you had each of them going forward, and you got to bank on a decade for each of them going forward, what order would you put the quarterbacks that I mentioned in? Yeah, uh, it's just tough because I like all four of them. I, I take all four of them to be my quarterback, but I got to go with Mahomes first, just based off the accomplishments. Andy Reid being his head coach, the situation he's in, that guy is not going to have a lot of bad seasons. Uh, if last year was a bad season for Patrick Mahomes, Lord help the NFL because <laughs> – yeah, he was pretty good at the end of last year, too. Everybody likes Gellin for the second half of the AFC Championship game, but he, he ended up having a solid year last year. So I'll go Mahomes first. Josh Allen's right there with him. Uh, Josh Allen in the playoffs last year was peak Josh Allen, but Josh Allen could do. He adds that running dimension. He's got such a strong arm. Gabe Davis is going to be a great player in this league. Stephon Diggs already is. If Buffalo could get a competent running game and a better offensive line, Look out, Josh Allen. I, I honestly think Josh Allen could get the Bills to a Super Bowl and win it. I'll go Herbert third just 
just on the raw talent. Um, I think we got to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs, but again, not his fault. Head coach had a lot to do with that. Defense had a lot to do with that, but and Justin Herbert was clutch on a lot of situations last year, and now he's got he got his boy back, Mike Williams, um, which I'm pretty excited about. I know he campaigned for that, and he got it. Uh, he wanted changes on the defensive side of the ball. He got them. Um, so I think the Chargers are going to be a playoff team this year, and I'm excited to see what he can do. And I hate to say Burrow Fort because I think he's really good, but and he's got some talent around him too. And now they fixed up that offensive line for him. And Burrow played so well without that offensive line. I just think the Bengals went on a crazy run last year to go to Super Bowl, and they almost pulled it off. But Joe Burrow going to a Super Bowl that early in his career, just like Patrick Mahomes, that's impressive. If he can put up another year like that again, I, Joe Burrow might be one or two on this list. Yeah. You know what I love about uh, uh, Joe Burrow was the fact that he was able to and, – and the Bengals have tremendous skill position talent, as you mentioned, Jeff, but it's the Bengals. And that's why I hold it against. It's not Joe Burrow necessarily, but I put him fourth on that list as well because I don't trust the Bengals to do mm-hmm. everything uh, uh, to support them, to do everything to win year in and year out. You know Kansas City's going to do that. You know, um, even though it hasn't been successful, maybe you can question the Chargers a little bit. Um, but that's why I put Her- Herbert over Burrow. But it's not really – an insult to to Joe Burrow at all. I think it's an insult to the Cincinnati Bengals organization, but that's just me. I, I want to talk to you about the head coach of Josh Allen. We just talked about Josh Allen. Sean McDermott's not going to sleep in his office anymore, Jeff. Is there, a, is there a stupider thing in the NFL than coaches sleeping in their office? Why do you have to wear your work ethic on your sleeve? I've always been told, you know, those who who brag about their work ethic, yeah, they don't have a work ethic. Exactly. It's you know, I I used to make the joke too. I remember when I first heard that. I used to have a bed in the back of my office, you know, just in case I wanted to nap. I said, well, I guess I'm like Sean McDermott. I I, I work so hard, I go to bed in my office. But it's yeah, I, I, John, I'm with you. I, I'm not a fan of the hard work of all the people that say how hard they work and all that. I'm like, show me, you know. You know, yeah. I always say, show me how good you are. Don't tell me, show me. And I'm not saying that Sean doesn't work hard, but this he has does. been a set, really Dick Vermeil going in the Hall of Fame. Uh, God bless you, Dick, but he was the first. And ever since then, it seems like every NFL coach has to act like, oh, I can't go home. I can't have a family life. I can't have. And by the way, that spawns, you know, alcoholism in that industry a lot of issues when it comes to personal relationships because they are never home um some don't want to be home to be honest um the league in general why why do why do you think the owners champion this kind of nonsense and the fact that you know i've heard insults in this steve spurrier on the record you know would like to go golfing oh he's got to be in his office working really does he a lot of criticism with Doug Peterson late in his career here about always oh, out by dinner time. Oh, he's out by dinner time. What is he insane? I, I, why does the NFL have this continue to have this thought process that everywhere else truckers, there's a federal law. You can only work a certain amount of time. Doctors, you know, 
they can only work a certain level of shifts. Why do football coaches have to work 24 hours a day? It's insanity to me. If they want to work 24 hours a day, that's their right. But you're right. It's, it seems like the owners push it. I actually like the situation John Harbaugh's in. You can tell when he's working, and I don't want to say when he's not working, but you can tell he has a healthy balance of everything he's doing. You know, he embraces – it seems like every aspect of his job. Like, he's very colorful in press conferences. He doesn't kind of – you know – after a win, he's really in a good mood. When he loses, he's he's in a bad mood, but he's not taking it out on the media. He goes, hey, what do you guys want to know? I, you know I'm here to vent with you. And I, I actually like that about him as someone who's covered a couple of John Harbaugh press conferences. He's, he's a lot of fun. I think he, he balances his work life and his personal life. And I think a lot of coaches, especially younger coaches, don't do that. And speaking of Vermeil, um, John, I, I think – Roger Worski must have told this story to everybody in his life when he saw Dick Vermeil when he was working for ABC and ESPN at Super Bowl 34. And Vermeil went up to him and was talking to him and he said, They're going to win this game because that's not how he was when Jaworski was his quarterback. And I, I love how Vermeil changed his whole outlook. Like he actually listened to his players and said, Hey, you are running us into the ground and, you know, we don't work like you do. And he said, Okay, well, we're going to change that. And Look what the Rams did. They went 13-3 and three and won a Super Bowl. So I think coaches change over time once they get the grasp of it. But I think the younger coaches especially, they drive themselves to the point of they just fry up because they want to win so badly and they have to prove themselves. And once you prove yourself like an Andy Reid, like um, John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott, in my opinion, has proved himself. Maybe he, he doesn't feel that yet because of the pressure that's on his city to win a Super Bowl. I think that's what—that's where the burnout comes in. But you're right. It seems like the owners just want these guys to bunker down in whatever practice facility or whatever office they're in. And I don't understand it. I mean, I, I say I, this. I, I would go the Costanza route. Just park your car. You're the first person there, the last person to leave. Just leave your car there. Well, George Costanza, we never knew if he worked or not when he was working for the Yankees. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're trying to balance the scales here. Both you guys saying – 24 hours a day, too much for a coach to be about, too much coaching time, too much uh, dedication. Well, then you have the new rules in the NFL where the players practice for an hour and 10 minutes, an hour and 40 minutes. Nobody does two hours. God forbid you go over two hours and or too much physicality in off-season workouts. You get fined. You get punished. The uh, Cowboys, the Commanders, the Texans all last week got hit with either fines or punishments because they didn't practice properly. A little too physical on an off-season practice. Uh, drills that they're not supposed to be doing in the case of the Houston Texans. Why are we even finding out about this, Jeff? Why are we reading about this? Is it really come to that, that if you ask too much of your players you're going to get fined as, fined as a head coach. It's coming right out of the coach's pocket, not even the organization. Uh, how how tough is the NFL getting on these coaches? Maybe that's why they're spending twelve hours, uh, 24 hours a day in their office. Got to figure out how to balance the uh, overall worksheet because the players don't seem to be working at all during well, these off-seasons. Yeah, that's a great point, Jody. I mean, because – I mean, look at Nick Sirianni. It's well, and again, he kind of does it to himself because he he cut down 
a lot of his OTA practices. By the way, can you imagine if they told Nick Sirianni, we're docking OTA from you? He'd probably be smiling somewhere like, all right, hey, you can dock mm. another one. Well, he doesn't out. have any anyway. What's right. it about With the Eagles, yeah. you just schedule and go, oh, shoot, it's canceled. They weren't yeah. really going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think that's what it is. I think a lot of the older coaches, the old school coaches, like a Mike McCarthy say, hey, look, we got to get these guys on the field. We got to get these guys working out. And they can still do it. Andy Reid actually is – you know, he won't get docked for this because they don't have physical OTAs, but Patrick Mahomes and those guys always talk about the conditioning test. And last week they had the conditioning test and Mahomes said, you see how much I'm sweating right now? So, you know, I think that's, that's where Andy Reid gets his uh, kicks in with that. It's okay. Well, I can't do this, but I can do this. And I think a lot of coaches need to find a way to balance that, but you're right. That, that's how, it's why they're working so much and watching all this film and doing what they're doing. It's, it's, it's like a Herb Brooks and miracle, you know, it's, they just keep watching film, just keep watching film, trying to get things right, but they can't actually get their players out on the field to do it. And that's yeah. why I get up, upset when they break down OTAs and what guys are doing and, and all that. It's like, look, I, I understand it, but we're not really seeing what we used to see at these OTAs. And you know, John, you've been doing this a long time. You know how different OTAs were back in Oh, my God. I saw an hour and a half of Eagles work this spring. I would see that more in a day, uh, you know, back when I started. Um, so it's really difficult. And I think, it, you know, I think it hurts the younger players. I tell Jody all the time, like, how do you open a coach's eyes without being out on the field? And people can talk about the classroom and understanding, and that's fine. But we all know this league is about talent and athleticism and yeah, football IQ is a, a big thing, but there are so many, so many smart football players that you see in college, for instance, and they don't have the, the skill level to play in the NFL. They don't reach the bar to play from an athletic standpoint to play in the NFL. So you got to be able to do it on the field. And if you're an undrafted kid or even a seventh, a late round pick, sixth, seventh round, how do you prove yourself? How do you prove yourself? So I'm kind of in a dichotomy. I laugh at coaches that sleep in their office. I think it's silly. But I'm also, I'm like, from a player's perspective, you got you, you to gotta practice at some point to prove yourself if you're already entrenched and it, it, it becomes the game, Jeff. So week one, we'll see, can these young players play? We'll see right. week one because we don't won't you, see it before then. Don't you feel like a lot of these six and round picks year one's almost now like a redshirt year because of the expanded practice squads. It's okay. We can get a, a fair look at you with the, with the short time in OTAs. We're not being physical there. Train camp not as physical. We don't have a lot of preseason tape on you. So we're just going to stash you on our 16-man practice squad, and we'll evaluate you from there throughout the course of the season, see if you get better, and we'll give you all next offseason, and then we'll make our determination on you. It feels like a lot of these lay-around draft picks are getting bought. Well, and we froze up again. Uh, I think we Jeff froze Kirk. up on uh, Jeff again. All right. Uh, we touched most of our bases with Jeff. When next we get him on, we'll find out where he's going to be taking his superior bowling skills next year. 
Is he going back to Vegas? I didn't know. Or... What did, what did he call the the lanes out in Vegas? What 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 are they're the pros on pro I, shot pro shot I think pro shot yeah yeah I I go to my local place and yeah. try and find a ball that somewhat fits my fingers. Sorry, yeah, I exactly. I mean, I just I, uh, I you know don't make the ball too heavy and you know take down the bumpers because I'll be embarrassed. I'm good. That's not ca- a pro shot though. Casual bowling is the best that I can muster actually uh, analyzing how many board spaces you can Curse counting boards, to Jody. He's counting out. boards. He takes this stuff seriously, does Jeff Kerr. That's why he's got to sleep in his office, because he's counting boards. He's sleeping on the lanes, uh, yeah. and sometimes those seats are a little uncomfortable, so God bless him for that. All right. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You are here for the 300th episode of Birds 365. We've been doing this for a while. I appreciate you tuning in. Some of the guys streaming in a little overly optimistic about uh, Jukeski talk. Did you know he's oh, now he's a the superstar now, Jeff. Best he's... safety on the Eagles as oh, soon as the yeah. ink dried on the contract, John. According to yeah. one of our stream guys, somebody quoted a, a number that he's the sixth best coverage safety in the NFL. Uh, I, we reference Pro Football Focus often. I don't know where he picked up that ranking. Six best coverage safety in the NFL last year. It certainly wasn't last year. No, he's saying last last year. year. Uh, Eagles fan, Tart is the sixth best coverage safety in the NFL last season. Well, where where perchance did he come up with that? Uh, Whose rankings were were that that had Jakiski Tart as the uh, sixth best coverage safety? Yeah, I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. We love you, Eagle fans, but some of you enjoy watching them. Uh, I'm going to say, if you're if that's your expectation, I'm going to say you're going to be disappointed. Set set the bar high, but uh, feel free to come back to realistic whenever you see. When did it get signed, Jody? What date? Uh, that would be Friday, June seventeenth. Don't you find it a little bit shocking that the rest of the NFL would ignore one of Six the best, best covered safety in the yeah. NFL last year? One of guys, the best covered safety. But he had to wait until after all the OTAs were yeah. over and done. Oh, it's Jakitsky who decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't need any of that no. camp stuff. That overly abusive camp stuff that they put you through, not. Yeah. Uh, he waited till it was all over and done with and said, no, yeah. no, I'm going to the Eagles. Sorry with that. Uh, okay. Uh, good, good luck with that. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Birds 365 duo. Uh, we've come back, talk a little bit more about Tart and how he fits and some other Eagle stuff. Um, but we've got Matt Verderam from Fansided. Uh, he's going to jump aboard with us so about uh, 20 minutes from now here on Birds 365.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac here with you on Birds 365, start of another off-season week. No eagle practices, no workouts. The entire National Football League is basically down. Some teams were practicing last week, uh, even mandatory mini camps. The Eagles put a wrap on their off-season early this year. So now the countdown begins till Eagles open up training camp, which is still more than a month away. But they did give us something we could sink our teeth into last week, end of the week, uh, with the signing of Jaquiski Tart. Um, good, solid starting safety in the league. Um, the 49ers decided to move in another direction. If John is uh, guessing correctly, and that's what everybody's doing because there were no details released, uh, what did Jaquiski Tart sign for? John's guessing right around the veteran minimum, if uh, more than that, not by much. Um so the first question that popped up to me is, why would the 49ers move off this guy? Yeah, I tie it to the interception that he could have come down with in the championship game against the Rams because he's been a solid starter for them for the last several seasons. Um, if you believe pro football focus and their rankings, I texted John as soon as I saw it and said, what does pro football have as far as his ratings go? Pretty good against the run, pretty poor against the pass, at least last year was not very good against the pass, one of the lowest ranking safety uh, ratings against the pass. So he's going to come in. He's going to compete with both Marcus Epp and Anthony Harris. All three of those guys, none of them are, you would say, unquestionably a free safety or a strong safety. Both have played, all three have played both during their career. But I would suggest that Tart is, of the three, 
probably the one that you would lock in more to a specific safety uh, position. I would call him more of a box safety who you want in there on running downs and less so on passing down if that's the case. You, you grade out the three safeties as of right now, John, the same as me or different? Um, you know, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of redundancy between Anthony Harris and Michael uh, Marcus Epps um, in that I think they're both better utilized as center fielders, so to speak. Um, but the Eagles aren't going to play, I don't think, a ton of single high anyway. So whether it's cover two, cover four, cover six, they're, they're going to have two high safeties for the most part. And I think all three of them do that. Um, Tart has better size. Tart probably has more versatility. Um, and that was my thought, as I said, when the Eagles first signed him. And I, I just looked real quick at the pro football focus stuff. And I said, well, you know, he's pretty big. Um, he was above average in run support, although he missed a lot of tackles as well. Um, so you figure, you start to think, okay, he's a box safety. But evidently he's not. He played more. Uh, coverage than anything else um and i don't know what that uh, uh what 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 the listener was referencing a six bath coverage safety because i mean pro football focus had him way down on the list way down um how, how far down is way down if you well they have two different so it where they they graded 92 safeties and, and he was 72 of 92. And then they have uh, um, more focused stats, to use a better term. Um, and uh, they graded 62 where they died, dove pretty deep. And he was 55 out of 62. 55 out of 62. Allowed a 95 passer rating when targeted, which isn't bad on this team, but it's not good, <laughs> you know, on this team last year, because they had so many high passer ratings, maybe it is an improvement, but it's not good. Um, and a 13.2% missed tackle rate, which is not good. So when you ask why did San Francisco moved on? Yeah. Maybe drop the Matthew Stafford pass. He shouldn't have dropped, but they were probably going to move on even if he caught it. Um, you know, they want improvement from that. Here, I think it's a good safety net. But I think the plan is still Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps. Now, can he beat one of those two out? Sure. I, I don't think there's any. But I think the Eagles would rather have Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps. And, and we'll see how it shakes out. Right. And you kind of touched on this in hour number one and deserves uh, repeating. This is a safety net signing. This isn't a Tart is going to come in and revamp your entire secondary. Not even close, but no. you need to have depth on the roster. One of the positions they didn't have depth with safety. They added it here with this signing and it's a low risk. It's probably a low reward uh, signing too, but it's low risk. If we've got the right read on this and no one has reported it, usually the, the agents like to get out in front and uh, put a spin on what their client signed for. And 
that hasn't happened. And we're now three days later, which I think John correctly reads into that. There isn't a good spin for this one that Tart is probably had to take close to the veteran minimum as far as the signing goes. If he comes in and he can't play, if the 49ers are right and have the right read on him, that his skills are declining and he's not as good a player as he once was, okay, good. Thanks for spending summer here in the Delaware Valley, Chikiski. Uh, we'll be going in a different direction. This is not a how much of a dead cap hit are they going to have to take if they were to move on from this guy type situation. It's not. They're, yeah. they're giving him a chance to come in and compete. He may start. They didn't give him a whole hell of a lot of money. It's a good, solid organizational signing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Is it going to move the needle on how many games the Eagles are going to win this year? Probably not. One way or the other. I don't think it's going to be. If he's not good enough, he's not going to be here. He's not going to hurt him at all in games of play. If he's no. good enough, he's going to jump in and be part of the safety rotation. Is he going to come in and make us all forget about Brian Dawkins? No shot. No chance. No. no. But you need to have these type of signings over the course of the season. And these are the type of signings that you get in June, John. Yeah. And, yeah, as I always say, Jody, the calendar typically tells it all. And – you know, not always. There, there are contextual issues. Bradbury's a perfect example. Look, if he was on the market earlier, if the Giants made the decision earlier, he would have got multiple years. Um, he would have got significant amount of money. Uh, he was kind of a little bit screwed, so to speak, by when the Giants moved on. But he was still able to get up to $10 million. So the contract tells you something. Tarts on June 17th, one-year contract, and we'll see. He might have a few incentives, but if it goes far above the veteran minimum, I'd be shocked. It tells you all you need to know. So for those fans thinking, oh, this is a difference maker, I hope you're right, but I wouldn't bet a lot of money on that. And I see Tone, should we expect a lot of big nickel formations with all three safeties? I don't think so because you're, you're trying to get your best players on the field. And if you look at your best players, um, for the first time in a long time, the Eagles have options at linebacker. And depending right. on how how um, how healthy N'Kobe Dean is and how quickly they can get him on the field, you have Kaiser White. I mean, you're going to take Kaiser White off the field for um, – a third safety, he, you know, he played safety in college. He's a better player. He's a younger player. He's more athletic. So a lot of big nickel is when the Eagles had Malcolm Jenkins, obviously he was one of their best players, and they could move him all over, and they could do that big nickel. But that was the best group of players they could have. Their best group of players is going to be linebackers more than safeties. You're not going to push one of those linebackers off the field to get one of those safeties on the field. That's my early assessment. Oh, I would uh, 100% agree with you. And if they're going to have extra D-backs on the field and get down to just one linebacker, on, it's going to be more corners. I, I do you see any lineup where they put all three safeties on the, the field at the same time? 
Very um, infrequently, John. No, I don't. See you that at you all. never say never because there's always some. You know, maybe they have two tight end. Maybe somebody's playing a lot of tight ends, and you want the safety, the bigger body out there. But you never say never. But you're not going to say it. See it a lot. It's not going to be a staple of this defense because nothing changed. Safety. Well, I'm not going to say nothing changed because it's a nice insurance policy, as I said. But safety is still, from a talent perspective, probably the worst, not probably, is the worst position on the Eagles' defense on paper. The linebackers are better. Certainly the defensive line is better, and the corners are better. Maybe you don't have depth at corner, but the starting three are really good. Um, Safety remains the weakest position on the defense, even though it got a little bit better. All right, here's a question that I'm going to put to our next guest when he joins us. Matt Verderan from Fanside is going to be with us in about uh, five minutes, but uh, certainly more apropos for you to answer because you know it. I always like having a national guy who's not as narrow-focused on the Eagles as uh, someone like yourself. Um, So I want both of your answers. We'll get his from him when he joins us in just a couple. Eagles offense last year. Eagles defense last year. Eagles offense now, with the additions that they've made, the changes that they've made, Eagles defense now, with the additions and changes that they've made, which side of the ball has improved more in your eyes? Uh, The defense, but they had a longer way to go. And they've just added significantly more talent. they've, They've added talent on all three levels, whereas the offense... I mean, the offensive line set, right? Right. Uh, the wide receiver, yeah, they needed one. They got one. A.J. Brown, big. Um, tight end was set. They didn't add the depth you would like, but they drafted Grant Calcaterra late. Uh, running backs are pretty much the same. We'll see if Jordan Howard comes in at some point. Um, wasn't a lot of change, and obviously quarterback, wasn't a lot of change offensively outside of A.J. Brown. Didn't need to be a lot of change. In a lot of ways, that's the final piece to the puzzle. If Jalen Hurts can carry his water as a high-level starting quarterback, um, the offense was in position. Defensively, you had to add all over the place, and they did. Uh, at corner, they added Bradbury. Up front, they added... Uh, Davis and Reddick. Uh, linebacker, you have N'Kobe Dean. Now safety, you have um, even uh, uh, Chukwaski Tart. Um, they batted all over the place. They needed more help on defense. They added more help on defense. Um, the offense, you know, final piece, and it means a lot, A.J. Brown, because A.J. Yep. Brown's a really good player, number one. But his presence allows everybody else to be in a position that's more comfortable. I think Devontae Smith is going to be a a sort of wide receiver one in this league, but does it need to be? It doesn't have to be pressed on him like it was last year as a rookie. Um, Quez Watkins, I don't like him as a number two. I don't mind him as a number three. Doesn't bother me at all, as a matter of fact. Um Everything kind of falls into place with with just that one piece. Defensively, 
they need to add multiple pieces. And to Howie Roseman's credit, at least on paper, he's he's done it. Now, the only one, and and I go back to Nick Sirianni when they traded for AJ Brown. He he, he said that that phrase that I that I always use, Jody. There's no projection. You know, you know what AJ Brown is. On the defensive additions, really the only guys you know what they are 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 the two college teammates, Bradbury and Tart. And even we're arguing about Tart. We got, you know, one guy saying he's one of the best safeties in football and other people saying he's a declining player. Um, but they've been around for a while. Davis, Dean, you know, they're projections. They're good college players, but they're still projections. Um, but on paper, they've added significant, significant pieces to the defensive side. All right. So which side of the football is better right now for the Eagles with the additions before we ever see a minute of camp? Oh, wait, you did see 10 minutes of camp. I forgot. Um, but that when they're actually going against each other, uh, really in ingenious concept, 11 against 11, because that's what they're going to do when the game start is play 11 against 11. At some point, the Eagles will go 11 against 11 in their own practices. When you start to see that once the season starts, which side of the ball is going to be better for the Eagles, offense or defense? Boy, the offense should be better, should be better. But it, it all hinges on the quarterback, let's be honest. It should be better. If Jalen Hurts is, and I'm not even saying top um, – 10 um if he's a top half quarterback in this league so 16 or above the offense should be better that they 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 have the best offensive line in football i believe that they've one of the best tight ends in football um you know i'm i can't legislate health so i'm assuming he's going to be out there and now they have one of the best uh wide receiver groups because of the addition of aj brown the running game, in large part, I don't I don't think they have great running backs, but it's fueled by the quarterback, the so-called plus one. I do know Jalen Hurts is great at that. Um, the offense has everything. The defense is more of a, a projection. But it's all on the shoulders of the quarterback. I was going to say, has everything except a given a quarterback. Yeah. It's a question mark, a quarterback. Could be answered, yes. Could be answered, no issues, no problems whatsoever. Or it could be an ongoing evaluation because there are ups, there are downs, there are good times, there are tough times. Uh, the quarterback is going to be the driving force on this offense this year. Don't kid yourself. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. Coming back, we've got uh, Matt Verderam, one of our faves, does a great job covering the National Football League for uh, fan-sided and his uh, uh, – Fox podcast is one of the best out there uh, when it comes to football podcasts. I uh, hope to get Maddie up next. Matt Verderam joins us here on Birds 365.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. John McMullen, I'm Jordan McDonald, William Agamax, Birds 365, guys. We got a nice addition to the lineup here. Uh, he's been good enough to hop on us with us before. We're going to have him on again down the road, that's for damn sure, because uh, he's one of the best in the uh, business at uh, writing and podcasting on the National Football League. Uh, uh, Matt Verderam from Fanside joins us here on Birds 365. Matty V, how's your summer going? It's going good. I'm looking forward to more of it before we get into camp. But uh, the NFL doesn't wait for anybody, so I expect it to be uh, interrupted very often. Yeah, it's going to be interrupted soon, Matt, with Deshaun Watson. But until we, uh, I do want to get to that uh, with you. But we'll start it out with the Eagles. And uh, recently, uh, over the past week, you took a sort of a deep dive at their off season, and now you can add. Uh, Joukowsky, uh Tart to the mix. Uh, first, I want to get your thoughts on where Tart is as a player. I think the calendar says a lot. I mean, you got to be honest about that and having a player who's got significant starting experience, but he's on the market in mid-June. There's a reason for that. And then just your thoughts from your piece at Fansided on the Eagles offseason as a whole. Yeah, so with, with Tart, I think he's a guy who, like you said, John, he brings a lot of experience. He, he played in San Francisco secondary for many years, started in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, last year w- was a mainstay in the secondary. Um, I, I would say I would say he's an adequate player. I don't think he's somebody that's going to be an All Pro or a Pro Bowler. I don't think that's where he's going to be. But I do think he's a steadying influence. I think he can play, um, and he's proven he can play a lot of snaps. And I think that sometimes. 
sometimes I think that's that's overlooked. You don't. Not every position has to be a guy who's a pro bar. Sometimes you just need somebody who's going to come in there and not screw it up. And, and yeah. especially in the secondary these days, where if one guy makes one mistake, you're screwed. Um, so I, I think I think Tard coming in. Look, is is he going to change that defense? No, but they have Slay on the back end. They have Bradbury. They don't need another star guy back there. They just need somebody who's solid. I think he'll do that. Um, as far as my piece, I, it came out on Tuesday last week. It's just, you know, last year I did an inside the offseason on the Chiefs. This time did it on the Eagles. I thought the Eagles had the best offseason in football. And so I talked to some people around the league, talked to some people close to the Eagles organization for that story, and just found it interesting. I mean, the Eagles really built out their wide receivers with the thought of an NBA starting lineup. Like, they really did try to fit in pieces like, okay, who would be our starting four? Who would be our backcourt? And, and the idea behind it, the, the overriding idea was to have diversity in the route trees, to have diversity in the body types. Like when they brought in A.J. Brown, they looked at him as like a power forward. They looked at him as a four. Um, you know, a guy who is more of an Alshon Jeffrey, but a, but a better player, uh, maybe more explosiveness. And then on top of that, I thought look, defensively, they, you know, Nicobe Dean was a guy they almost drafted in the second round, ended up taking Cam Jurgens. Um but they were so surprised that Dean was still around in the third that they had a little bit of an emergency meeting to make sure they didn't miss anything before they took him because they were they were so shocked he was still there. So, um, you know, th- this is this season is all about improving, but also finding out about Jalen Hurts, and they wanted to give him the absolute best opportunity possible to flourish both individually and from a team perspective. I think they did that. I think they had a great offseason, and and so uh, I, I was happy to put that piece together and try to give some insight into what the Eagles' thinking was and what the league thinks about. Matty, your uh, analogy with the Eagles putting a basketball unit together for their receivers' room is very interesting. What is Zach Pascal? So Zach Pascal uh, was the gritty glue guy. Glue uh, guy, yeah, does, does a little bit of everything. So yeah. that that's listen. Um, maybe the Mo Pete, uh, the Mo Peterson of the, uh, <laughs> or, or for those in Philly, you know, the Theo Ratliff, uh, to go way back. So, yeah, I think look, the other thing, of course, with Pascal is he has history with Sirianni, right? They, they both come yeah. from the, so th- th- there's some of that too. Um, but like AJ Brown's a guy that they really liked in the draft years ago that they were enamored with then. And when he went to Old Miss before he went there, uh, he visited Alabama, and he and Jalen Hurts have, have had a great relationship ever since. So between the relationship with Hurts, like that deal didn't just come together on draft night. I mean, they talked about that. They initially worked on it a few weeks prior. Nothing came of it. They kept going. They kept trying to figure something out. They eventually found common ground on that night. But um, their, their receiving core is really interesting. I mean, you've got a burner in Devontae Smith. You've got Brown, who's this big physical punishing receiver, um, and then you do have Pascal. You do have uh, guys like like um, Wes Watkins. Like I was going to say, yes, thank you. Like Watkins, who's, who's another guy who can run with anybody. So they have so a lot of speed. They also have some bigger bodied guys. Obviously, Dallas Goddard, not a receiver, but another guy who's a who's a bigger target over the middle. So they they bring quite a bit of that. And then you know we'll see what happens with Jalen Rieger, a former first round pick who's not performed up to to you know, expectation. I think he's somebody who they're still hoping. Can kind of you know? And by the way, Quez Watkins was the shooting guard in that analogy. So, okay. um, 
you know, and, and Rieger was one of the, the guards as well, kind of a slash and drive up the field guy. So we'll see. But they they built it out with the thought of like how they build like the 76ers. So it was, it was interesting to kind of follow that along. Well, hopefully they do a better job than the 76ers when it comes to building. Um, you know, all, on the field, I'm with you, Matt. I think the Eagles have had a great offseason. Off the field, boy, I'd look at all the upheaval in the front office and you start to go, what, what, what's going on here? I mean, part of it is you say, all right, the rest of the league, thinks a lot of, of the Eagles front office and they're trying to pill for people. But at the same time, the Eagles, for whatever reason, have been very hesitant to give out that assistant GM title and they keep losing people over it. They finally give it out this year to a couple uh, lesser known people, John Ferrari, Alec Halaby, who are more football operations people, not scouting people. Right. What do you make of that? Is there anything? Should we put an asterisk there? Is there anything to worry about? Or or is it just, hey, people think the Eagles train people well, and that's a good thing? Yeah, I think the Eagles have had a lot of success over the years. And Howie Roseman, for all the criticism he sometimes gets in Philadelphia, has been a really, really good GM for a long time. So um, I think a lot of teams, you know, when, when you're going to hire somebody for your front office, you don't want to take somebody from the Lions, with all due respect to the Lions. You don't want, <laughs> you want to take somebody from a team that's been successful. Um, and I think that's why, you know, if you look, Seattle over the years has had guys, you know, ripped out of there. Kansas City, Green Bay, right? Like those franchises have been, of course, New England. Those franchises have been very successful for a long time. And so I do think with Philadelphia, look, I always believe front offices – Tell me who your top couple of guys are. And then you're always – and if, if those guys are good, everybody belongs is always going to get elevated in different spots because it's just – it's a matter of time. Um, I think with Roseman there, they have Dave Caldwell as a former general manager who's an experienced hand in the room. I, I think, you know, the Eagles are in a spot where they should be just fine. I do think, though, yeah, look, the, you know, when, when teams are looking to hire um, – the Eagles are a great team to kind of try to pick over because of the success, but also because, you know, with Roseman, he's entrenched. So if you're a guy who's younger and you maybe want to move up the ladder, it might be good to, to leave. Uh, you know, I mean, hell, I just mentioned how good Kansas city has been, how successful they've been. I mean, Brett Veach was in Philadelphia way yeah. back when, right. And of course yeah. left when Andy Reid left there and anything else, but um, you know, Philadelphia has been a really successful place for a long time whether it be coaches leaving uh, or, or it'd be, it'd be front office guys. There, there have been many who have left and done very well. All right, Matty V I'll raise my hand and say guilty as charged when we're talking about skill position players that you look through it through that prism of fantasy football, what numbers you're going to be able to put up, what yards, what touchdowns, whatever. And I try not to do that, but every once in a while I fall prey. I'm going to ask you to not do that in ranking Dallas Goddard. How high is high? And we know he's a, be- a very good blocker and Eagles are going to run the football. Damn, they did last year. We think right. they'll do less this year. But he's a very good uh, blocking tight end, whether it's in line or outside. Um, how high a ranking do you think he can achieve? Not just in the fantasy numbers. I know those are the most important catches, yards, uh, touchdown, everything else. But complete tight end picture. He's surely top 10. Is he top five in the National Football League when this season is over and done with? Total package tight ends. 
I don't know if he's a top five because that's a that's a high bar. He's in the top ten for sure. I would agree with you, but I think you look at I mean, look, you have the guys like Waller and Kelsey and Kittle uh, and Pitts. So right off the bat, like there's four guys who you look at and go, man, it's tough to, tough to get in that crowd. Um, I'm a big fan of Mike Kosicki. I think he's a lot better than people realize. He's a really good player who's been in an offense where they, they can't throw the football. Um, you know, Mark Andrews was first team all pro last year. So for me, like right there is six. But I think you know, it, it depends on how you view the guy. I and mean, obviously, like you were just kind of talking about all around. I mean, Dalton Schultz is, is a really good receiver. He's not a great blocker. Ertz, despite being older at this point, can still catch the ball. You know, never been a strong blocker, but a guy who can catch. Um, he's probably right on that edge of top 10 for me. Hunter Henry's really talented. You know, he's again, not, a, not a great blocker, somebody who also has an injury history. So you could take Goddard over Henry for me. Um, but yeah, he's probably, he's probably in like that eight to 10 range, I think would be fair. Um, and if he has a great year, sure. Of course you could move up, nice. but he's a valuable piece for them for sure. Whether they're running or they're throwing and, I think in the passing game, he's going to have to be a little more valuable for them here going forward. They, they know they need to throw the ball more and more effectively. I mean, they, yes, they were the number one run offense in the NFL last year, a lot of that being because of Hurts. But they they were a middling pass offense, despite the fact that they, they played a lot of pretty mediocre teams. So they, and they know that. I mean, that's why they went out and they got A.J. Brown. But this is a team now with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. I mean, they should have more space for Goddard. Goddard should be working against a lot of linebackers, you know, one-on-one. You know, he, he should have more advantageous matchups this season. Uh, any questions about um, – it's always a good problem to have, although I would argue, you know, when coaches say that, uh, it's not – it tends to never be really a good problem. But – when you have A.J. Brown, you have in an ascending Devontae Smith, you have a good tight end. They want to get Kenny Gainwell involved in the passing game. There's only one football. And, oh, by the way, you don't have a high-volume thrower. You know, you have a, a run-based offense. Any concerns about guys not getting the football enough and starting to chirp? You know, I think – you always have to have a little concern about that when you have a talented offense. But at the same point, um, they they needed to add a big time receiver, in my opinion, and they did. Uh, I don't like I don't know other than AJ Brown. Does any and maybe Smith, although he's so young. Like, does anybody have the right to really chirp on the Eagles if they don't see twelve targets a game? You know, no. like AJ Brown. They don't have the right, but that doesn't stop him at times. It, it doesn't, but I feel like as a coach or a coordinator, you could be like, "Hey, so and so, shut up, <laughs> like, go go catch the ball when it's thrown to you." You know, like it, I think it's different. You know, like years ago, the Eagles had the dream team. Like that's yeah. that's a harder thing to manage because you got a lot of egos, big contracts, big names. It's a lot easier to tell some guy who's really not accomplished a whole hell of a lot. Did you be, hey, man, look, you just wait your turn. And when the ball comes to you, you catch it. That's what you do. Like, I, I don't know that the Eagles have that problem. Like, I think it's, I think that's always a bigger thing. Like, for an example, okay, we've seen in recent days, and Tyreek Hill starts a podcast. And he never had a podcast or a radio show in Kansas <laughs> City. And he goes to Miami and gets $120 million. Now as a podcast. I don't know how that's going to go. 
And the first thing that happens is all of a sudden all this talk about how he didn't get enough targets. Man, 159 targets last year. Now, he has the right, I guess, theoretically, because he's so talented and he's been so productive to complain. But, like, I think if you're a guy who's not nearly as as accomplished as someone like a Tyreek Hill, like, you're not – you're not going to go up to Nick Sirianni in the third quarter and say, hey, hey, I've had three targets. Like, that's nice. That's about what you should have. Uh, so I, I think the Eagles will be okay there. Uh, the only guy they got to feed, make sure they feed, is A.J. Brown. You give him $100 million, you better get the ball quite a bit. Yeah, I don't think he'll be the guy. If someone's complaining, I would doubt that it's going to be A.J. Brown. Right. Um, I want to take it national with you. Um, and you and I had a chance to talk over the weekend, and we talked about this, but not to our Birds 365 audience. The unique situation they've got going on in Baltimore right now. Lamar Jackson, last year of his contract, still unsigned, haven't had any substantial conversations. They've had some conversations, according to Lamar this week, right. but not substantial. They're not close to getting a contract extension done. If we optimistically believe that Lamar will not allow this to affect his play, that he can stay narrow focused. One of his coaches said that this week, the guy's amazing in that he can stay on task. He doesn't let the outside world uh, bother him a little bit. Assuming that, how much of a distraction is it for everybody else? If Lamar can stay focused, but everybody else has to be answering questions about why isn't Lamar signed? What are you going to do if Lamar doesn't sign? Do you think Lamar will play differently because he doesn't have the guaranteed money coming his way? How difficult will it be for the Ravens to go forward if they can't get this deal done with Lamar into the season? You know, I think it's I think it's a really fascinating situation, as you mentioned. Like they, I can't remember any time in my life, either as a fan when I was a kid or as an analyst now, like where a team wanted to pay some guy a fortune and he just didn't want the money. That is a rare thing. Um, You know, I I don't know that it'll be a big distraction in season because I feel like once you get to the season, then it just becomes about the games and the weeks and everything. But in in camp, yeah, it'll be a a storyline if he's not signed. I still believe maybe naively that they will have a contract done by camp and I have no like inside. I just I just feel that way. I feel like at some point Lamar is going to wake up and go, man. If I get hit wrong, if I if the turf slips out and I tear my ACL, like I'm losing a fortune, a fortune potentially. He he is you know. And I've had fans say to me because I've written about this a few times. I've had fans say to me in response to columns like, well, you know, everybody's one hit away. Okay, yeah, but he's more than most. Okay, I'm more worried about him getting hurt than I am about Matthew Stafford getting hurt. Right. It's going to get hit yeah. more. He yeah. you know, puts himself in harm's way more. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, well, I get the same thing, Matt, with Jalen Hurst. And they'll say, well, Jalen got hurt last year and had to have ankle surgery and you got hit in the pocket. And they say you got hit in the pocket. And I, you know, you're missing the point. It, yeah. It's it's the law of averages. The more you get hit, the more likely you are to get hurt. You're not insulting the particular player. Right. I mean, at some point is you run as often as Lamar Jackson does, you're going to get hit in a way that you end up injured. I mean, last year, he missed the last month of the year. Now, that was a play where he wasn't running necessarily scrambling, got hit and got got hurt. But I think if you're him, you know, you you go in there and say, listen, I'm, I need to be paid more than Deshaun Watson, and I will I will sign. I mean, I, if I'm him, I'm asking for 250 over five years. I would. And that, now, would they give it to him? I don't know. But that's what I would ask for. 
The hard thing is, you know, if it was really truly one year and then free agency, I could maybe get a little more of the gamble. They're just going to tag him twice. Like, and that, yeah. now you could always say, yeah. well, he could force his way out and demand to trade. And, okay, sure. But he's been insistent upon the idea that he doesn't want to leave Baltimore, right. that he wants to be there for the rest of his career. Well, if that's the case, then why wouldn't you sign a contract for camp? I, you know, it's, and it's always weird too because he doesn't have an agent. And so, you know, that, that makes for a much tougher negotiation. I've asked a lot of people around the league about this. And the thought process from a lot of people in front offices I've spoken to is it is a lot harder to have that negotiation because with an agent, they understand this business. You can be a little bit more blunt about things. You don't want to insult the player. That makes it harder. That makes it trickier. And I think that, you know, that might be a little bit of a part of the reason that it has been hard for Baltimore and it has been a little bit of a, of a delayed uh, negotiation. I still think he'll be signed. Smart Money just says that at some point here he'll do that. But with every day that goes by, it also lends itself to the idea, like, if you're Baltimore, you need cost certainty at some point going forward. Like, yeah. you need to know what's going on. So he's he's really playing with fire, in my opinion, on this. Now, you mentioned um, what you would ask for if you're Lamar Jackson. Right. How upset is the league as a whole with the Cleveland Browns? Oh, they're, they're really pissed. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of people about this. In fact, my Stack the Box column, a fan site, went up uh, two hours ago. And the, the leadoff the, the lead part of that was about if you were uh, to look ahead, one of the big storylines I think next offseason is going to be contract extensions for Justin Herbert and for Joe Burrow. And I reached out to three prominent agents who have negotiated huge deals and said, if you rep those guys, and for the, for the record, neither one of them, or none of the three do rep either one of those players. But I said, if you rep one of those guys, what would you ask for in light of Deshaun Watson's contract? And all three of them independently all gave the same answer. $55 million a year, fully guaranteed. Because that's what they're worth in comparison. They're as good, if not better, and they don't have 24 civil suits against them, and they haven't missed a full season. And that led to a really interesting conversation. I'd, I'd encourage people to read about, look, the Bengals and Chargers are cash poor in comparison to other franchises. The Chargers just paid a $650 million relocation fee yeah. And they're in the midst of an in-family lawsuit right now with the Spanos family. The the Brown family, it's an inheritance, just like it is with the Spanoses. Um, I was told by one agent, look, for the Bengals, they're gonna ha- they might have to take out a, a, a business loan to be able to pay Burrow. Because that money, when you sign a guy to a con- to, to guaranteed money, it has to go into escrow. Go into escrow, escrow yeah. Right. And people yeah. in Philly ought to know about that with Leonard yeah. Toast and everything else. Right. I mean, that that's kind of where it comes from. So yeah. um that money's got to go to escrow. And there's a belief by some in the league, um, including people that I spoke to who are, are former, formerly around those teams, that feel like for those teams to sign guys like Herbert and Burrow, those are $275 million guaranteed. They're going to have to get loans from banks to, to, pay, to pay that contract, to pay that escrow out of hand. So um, I'll tell you, nobody's more pissed at the Browns than the Bengals and the Chargers right now. Uh, and the Cardinals ought to be included in that to some degree as well. I didn't include Murray in that conversation. I don't feel he's on the level of Burrow and, and, and Herbert, but he could be if he has a great year. Yeah. And the Bidwells haven't exactly been known for just throwing money around like like a, a kid at, at, uh, at a frat party. So uh, I, I think this is going to be very interesting. They set a precedent that if you are anybody who reps these big up-and-coming young quarterbacks, you have to get more money than him. You have to get more money. 
And you're going to have some franchises who balk at it, who maybe eventually do it, but fight for years. I mean, it's going to get ugly. Love your stacking the box podcast. Uh, and uh, you didn't go here yet. So I'm going to take the here. Part of what you do is try and look into the crystal ball, make predictions. So I'm going to ask you to do one here. Uh, it's actually opening day is September 11th this year, which uh, we could talk about for an hour, uh, but we'll put that aside. Uh, September 11th, the Cleveland Browns are scheduled to play against the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. And people are speculating, oh, you know, who could be the starting quarterback that day against the Browns. That could be Baker Mayfield, which we could do that too. Uh, Carolina side, percentage chance opening day quarterback, Cleveland Browns in Carolina. Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett. What would you give the three percentages for each of those guys to be the Browns' opening day starting quarterback this year? Uh, zero percent for Deshaun Watson. Zero. I would be shocked if he's here week one. Um, I would say Mayfield has like sixty-seven percent chance, and then it's and then Brissett maybe comes in with the other third. I, okay. I just think if you're Cleveland. And you're Kevin Stefanski and you're Andrew Barry. Like, this whole thing has been a tire fire inside of a dumpster fire. This entire <laughs> offseason has been a mess beyond words. You cannot. If Deshaun Watson, and I, I believe, my own, just, I don't know, somewhat educated guess, I think he's going to get suspended July 1st because I think the league's looking at a long weekend and a holiday weekend and thinking to themselves, you know, if there's ever a time to bury that, July 1st is it. Um, and I think they want to do it for camp anyway. Yeah. If he gets suspended for the year or he's suspended indefinitely, which I think might as well be the year, um, you're going to start Jacoby Brissett over Mayfield. Like Jacoby Brissett is a very good backup. He is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. So whatever you want about Baker, and I'm not always the biggest Baker guy, he's better than Jacoby Brissett is. You need to win football games. If you're the Browns, you can't have this disaster and then win six games. That I mean, as bad as it all is, we all know the truth about professional sports. If you win, people and fans, they move on. They do. That's how it works in life. Whether it should or shouldn't, that's another conversation. But it does. And with Baker, they could maybe win nine, ten games. They could maybe threaten for a playoff berth with that team around him. So look, it would be the most uncomfortable season I can ever remember for a team and a quarterback. It would be insanity. From that perspective, but I just think if you're Cleveland, like how would that look if if Watson gets suspended and then you trade Mayfield? Those fans are going to go out of their minds. Like, you need a quarterback, so I I think they're almost stuck. The only reason I say a third for Brissett is if Mayfield just goes so nuts that they just have absolutely no choice. But I I think there's a real I think there's a better chance than not that he's starting Week One for Cleveland. All right. He is at Matt Bergeram. Uh, you can read him at bandsided.com. Stacking the Box podcast does a great job. So Jody brought up Browns uh, versus Panthers on September 11th. I'm with you, Matt. 0% to Sean Watson starting for yeah. the Cleveland Browns. Um, Baker Mayfield, I think if I were the Browns, I'd have him start. But I want a percentage that Baker Mayfield starting in that game because I'm at 95. It might not be for the Browns, but it might be for the Panthers. Yeah, it's 100. Yeah. He's starting for one of them. He might as well just fly to Charlotte now and just, just start loosening up because he will be there. Maybe I don't want to get dressed yet. Uh, but he, yes, he will be there. I, 
I know some people have said Seattle, and, and I guess, you know, you can never say never in the NFL, but I think it, I think Seattle quietly would be just fine if it went 4-13 and 13 this year. Like, Seattle, need, look, they built up a lot of currency with the fan base, been good for a long time. When you trade Russell Wilson, you're rebuilding. When you trade, when you let Bobby Wagner walk out, they're like, you're rebuilding. That's what's happening. So, I think at this point, if you're Seattle, like, what is the point in acquiring Baker Mayfield? So you're going six games? Yeah. You know, like, I, it's not like Baker's going in there and making them a playoff team. Now, the same's probably true about Carolina, but Carolina's a little bit more talented than Seattle, but the same's probably true. But Matt Rule has to win this year, yeah. or he's going to be changing zip codes. So I think you know, for him, there's a desperation there that doesn't exist in Seattle. Like John Schneider's not getting fired if they don't win this year. Like nobody thinks they're going to win this year. They understand that. Carolina, David Tepper sitting there just waiting to fire Matt Rule if this thing doesn't go well. So I, I think it's just a lot different in Carolina. The desperation is such that I think they would make a move way before Seattle would. Matty V, always a pleasure. Whenever we get a chance to get you on, you know we're going to tap into you plenty before the year starts, when the year is ongoing. Uh, you do a great job whenever you jump aboard with us. We thank you for it. Uh, continue to enjoy your summer. See, see me and sneak about 24 hours of vacation in there somewhere before uh, camps open up. Uh, we, we'll, we'll not be bothering you on your one-day vacation whenever that happens. <laughs> Thanks, big guy. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ed Read him at fansided.com. His Stacking the Box podcast is one of the best football podcasts out there. All right, McDonald and McMullen coming back. Show 300 in the history of Birds 365. I want to follow up one of the things I asked with Matt with uh, JM uh, about Dallas Goddard coming up in this season. Uh, we'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365 next. Go for the polls. And the pools go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
Mary, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got your Mac and Mac guys. Johnny Mac and Johnny Mac. Put the ball on the show here on Birds 365. Always appreciate it when Matt Bergeram comes aboard. Uh, he, I just enjoy talking football with him. Like I enjoy talking with my partner, John McMullen. There's some people I just really learn from and have a good time shooting the breeze with him. And Van Bergeram is one of those guys uh, for me. Um, but I think he came up a little small in his ratings. On Dallas Goddard, I asked him for his uh, projection for this upcoming season, where you put him uh, full picture, not just fantasy numbers, because I think we fall prey to that every once in a while when you're talking about a skill position player. Well, how many yards? How many touchdowns? How many yards per catch? The tight end is asked to do a little bit more than that. I think our coach goes a little over the top with how great blocking wide receivers are and how crucial that can be. Yeah, it's not nothing, but it sometimes can be overstated. But it can't be overstated with tight ends because a lot of times you can run the football. They're right in the midst. They're right there. It's a six-man offensive line, and they're that sixth and important guy on the edge. And Goddard is very good at blocking. So that's why I specifically emphasize that my question um, is Goddard a top five tight end? He's a, a given top 10. Is he a top five? Matt had him outside the top five. He said in that eight to 10 range, I have him ranked higher than that. I'm pretty sure you have him ranked higher than that as well, J-Mac. Um, pro football focus, their tight end ratings. Where do they have a guy like Goddard coming into the season? Uh, last year it was number two. Uh, it's actually... Uh, tied with George Kittle. So I put to you, Mark Andrews was number one. Uh, Kittle and Goddard were tied at number two. Then was Travis Kelsey. Then was Kyle Pitts. Um, and then Dalton Schultz, Schultz was six. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, look, the Eagles don't have a high volume thrower. The numbers are not outrageous. And it's tough to say, yeah, he's a well-rounded tight end. I'm, I'm not surprised. I think Matt gives a better indication of what the rest of the league would put him at sort of like eight to 10. I think he's a top five tight end. I think the, the accolades, the recognition of that will come when the numbers come. And a lot of that is, I say it about receivers as well. You need a vehicle to get you to football bottom line. Um, Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. Cause he puts up these monster numbers. But I think if you talk to, Football coaches, they will tell you Dallas Goddard's a more well-rounded tight end. Um, but Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. So, and he's always going to be 
rated ahead of most people just because of those numbers. And he's a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player. Um, but there, And then the second part is there are so few tight ends that can do both. It's it's Kittle, it's Goddard, and then you got to start thinking who's it's next. Drop off, big yeah. time drop off. Because Pitts, Kelsey, Andrews is Andrews is in the con. I should have put him in there as well. He can do both. Um, but most guys in in the modern NFL, uh, uh, Matt brought up Mike Gesicki. He's a pass catcher. It's a great pass catcher, and and maybe he's in the sort of same boat as Dallas Goddard because he hasn't had a quarterback that can get him the football just yet. And maybe Tua takes that next step, but he's considered a really poor blocker, but again, a a really solid receiver, Darren Waller used to be a wide receiver. You know, he used to be JJ Arthega Whiteside. If you're looking for hope for JJ moving the tight end, um, He's a wide receiver. He's not obviously a good blocker. Um, there aren't a lot of tight ends. And once you get past Andrews, Kittle, and, and Goddard, I don't know, Jack yeah, Doyle see, that, maybe? Jack you got Doyle. it the exact same as me. Kittle, um, Kelsey, and yes, Goddard is a better all-around tight end, but Kelsey's so much better at receiving that that might overshadow the all-around aspect of Goddard's game. And Andrews was just a beast last year. That's it. It's those three. Now we can debate everybody else. And anybody who wants to put Goddard on the top of the list, which could make him the fourth-best tight end in the National Football League, I won't tell you you're wrong. You want to put him ahead of any of those other three, I'll tell you, you need to probably slow your roll a little bit because they've already established themselves. Goddard hasn't even had a full year yet as a tight end one. Uh, remember, Zach Kurtz was here for the first seven games of the season before they traded him. So we'll really get a great read on how good Dallas Goddard is this year. Could Waller go out and catch 105 balls? Maybe. Could Pitts go better than he was this past year, which was pretty damn good for a rookie? Maybe. But we're going to see if his blocking game can expand. Um, yeah, I like Kasicki too, but he's purely a pass catcher. Oh, no, I got him at number four. He's my fourth-ranked tight end coming into this season. Um, Maddie's got him a little further down. You and I are very close to, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I would right. say top five. That's where I put him. I think he belongs in the top five. I think he's a top five tight end already. And he's got a chance to improve. I, I don't know if he can go above Andrews or Kittle or certainly Kelsey from a reputation standpoint. So that four spot is probably – the highest he can go, but that's not bad, Jody. That's not, not a bad place say, to be if you got the fourth yeah. best tight end in the national. People football will league. say I'm insulting Dallas Goddard because they always do, but that's actually if you're in the conversation with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, you're 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 a pretty good football player, doing just fine. All right, hey, uh, partner, congrats on uh, Birds three sixty five three hundred shelf. Yeah, congrats to you. Where are balloons? I asked for balloons and cake and bumping. Yeah, we had we had uh, no shot at that, but it yeah. was a nice try on your part. Uh, right, let's say we start the next three hundred tomorrow. I'm in for show number three hundred one. How about 301. you? Three hundred one. Let's do it. And before then, go to jacobsports.com to rewatch episode 
number 300 <laughs> of birds 365 and stick It'll around be- for sports take and dan cilio with the national football show shows coming your way all day long on jacobsports.com on the uh jacob media youtube channel uh john mcmullen jody mcdonald your birds 365 guys we'll be back tomorrow show number 301 in two and two you've been listening to birds 365 the destination for the passionate eagles football fan who bleeds green if it's eagles football we're talking about it debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region we hope you enjoyed the show we know we had a blast make sure to like comment and subscribe and we'll be back soon but in the meantime hook up with us on social media at jacob sports see you next time on birds 365 for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.